Hello, fight fans. Welcome to episode number 329 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, proudly rocking the crunk today. That's right, baby. Uh, we're going to have some guys from the crunk team with us here on the show. And then, of course, we're going to preview the big, big fight this weekend, right? Uh, I'm calling it the rubber match. I don't give a damn what Nevada Commission has to say or other promotion. It's the rubber match between Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin. Triple G won that first fight. So uh, we're calling it the rubber match here on this show. But we'll get to that. First, I want to get on uh, the team from Crunk Boxing. I've been telling you guys the last few weeks, I'm actually going up to Detroit this week to do some ringside commentary for a uh, an amateur show that they're having up there at Crunk. It's, uh, it's called Crunk vs. Everybody, and it's featuring youth amateur boxing. These kids are going to be the future of the Crunk Amateur Boxing Program. Those of you who subscribe to The Ring Magazine, you saw my article uh, a few months back just showing the, the new developments at, at Crunk, right? Um, Sylvia Stewart-Williams, Emmanuel Stewart's daughter, was running Crunk. And then Jeff Styers, former pro boxer there in Detroit, he, he had his own youth development program going at his own gym. The two of them partnered up, and it's basically, they're calling it, it's still Crunk. Some people are calling it the new Crunk, but it's Crunk. And uh, the youth development program, Escott, is in full swing. And this amateur boxing program and the gear, which I've showed you guys where you can get this stuff, helps fund that program, which is awesome because it's helping these kids get in the classroom and learn how to do all those things before they even get into the boxing ring. So we'll talk about that stuff. Uh, any of my peeps up in Detroit this week, you guys want to do a meetup or something like that, maybe Friday night, let me know. Uh, you know, we'll talk about that on social media. Um, my cousin works at the Comerica Stadium, so I'll be there at the Tigers game Sunday to watch the Tigers lose. I kid, I kid, they, they might win. But we'll be there Sunday, so any of you guys go into the game, we'll check that out. Uh, oh, real quick, before I get the guys on here, I want to show you guys um, Roots of Fight. They've been partnering with Kronk, too. And they just released a Thomas Hearns line. So let me show you guys this real quick. Go to the Roots of Fight site. Check this stuff out, man. I got to get this hoodie. This hoodie is dope. Uh, let me see if I can get the back of this hoodie. These are the sweats. But I love that right there. You got the Kronk on there, Pain and Fame Detroit, Hearns, Hitman. Those are the pants, but there's the hoodie. This hoodie's dope. I got I to gotta cop this. I got to get one of these. That's dope. Come on. So you guys uh, check that out. Roots of fight. Uh, okay. Let me uh, bring on our guests real quick. So we're going to bring on John Leepak, who is the crunk business manager and Jeff Styers, who's crunk partner along with Sylvia Stewart Williams, who um, she might be able to join. I'm not sure. I know she had a meeting. I think she was running late from, but uh, guys, thank you so much for being on the show and uh, looking forward to hanging out this weekend, meeting you guys in person. And I hope, I hope that I could get a workout in at the gym. That, that's my thing. Maybe Saturday morning. Is that possible? I think we can make that work. Yeah. Who, who's going to do mitts with me? Uh, Is there anyone there? Hold the yeah, will Milton McCrory. He's one of our lead trainers. Obviously, former world champ Milton McCrory can work with you or Erskine Wade, our lead trainer. Dude, that would be great. That would be great because I was hoping to fight on this card Saturday and we just couldn't find the opponent, but it's all good. I'm staying in the gym. <laughs> we'll get on the next one. But uh, let's talk about this card, Kronk uh, versus everybody. It's in Westland, 
And uh, I know that eventually it's going to air on the WBC live channel. I don't know if it's going to air that night, but it might be tape delayed. It might be broadcast a day or two later. Uh, but John, uh, you have a lot of experience, of course, going back with Kronk. Most of it was pro boxing. This is the amateurs. And you and I have talked multiple times over the last couple of months. I know there's been a lot of headaches. Uh, just talk about the experience, man, putting this thing together. You know, I'll start out, Mike, uh, how we talked about in our interview for Ring Magazine. And first, let me say thanks for having us on and all your support. It's greatly appreciated. Um, but I I swore never, ever, never to return to the sport or business of <laughs> boxing. And thanks to the gentleman right there, Mr. Jeff Styers, uh, we've proved never say never to come true. So um, it's been interesting for me, Mike. It, it's a lot like um, I think a fighter experiences when you're getting back in the ring after a long time, there's a lot of ring rust, you know, it's getting used to uh, doing things that you haven't done in a long time. But at the end of the day, it's like riding a bike. You never forget, right? Uh, no training wheels necessary. No, well, it goes off a long time ago. <laughs> Jeff, um, I know that the youth development program is really, really important to you. And of course you had established that at your gym there in Westland before you and Sylvia partnered up. Uh, could you talk about that a little bit, maybe some things going on with the program and where you want to take it going into the future? Sure, sure. Uh, I, I echo John's sentiments too. Thank you for having us on and the support. Yeah, like John, I swore never to be back involved in the in the game again, but uh, was lured back like all of us. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to do was to create a, a boxing gym. So I think there's awesome life lessons gleaned from boxing, whether it be amateur or pro. But I wanted to be more than that. I wanted to be about life lessons and tutoring and academic excellence and mentoring because most of our kids come from an at-risk background and how boxing and the life lessons might help them combine with other programming to make, you know, change their life trajectory, uh, you know, for the better. And so that's always been important to me. Um, I met Sylvia and Marie at Emmanuel's funeral 10 years ago, and uh, we, we started a friendship and uh, Marie Stewart Manuel's widow used to tell me all the time we should partner. And I never knew what that meant because I obviously knew of the Kronk gym, having fought their guys as amateur, um, but we had our own gym going. And um, we stayed in touch and Marie, Sylvia and I would meet every Saturday morning and we would talk about, you know, what is God's will for this? I mean, is it to, is it to combine partnerships or not? And, you know, Kronk is one of those names, it's, it's iconic in the sport, right? So uh, with that comes the wolves, right? So a lot of people were contacting the stewards about, you know, wanting to monetize the Kronk name and how they could leverage it. But I think what was missing was um, uh, a true commitment to Emmanuel's legacy in the Kronk way. And it's funny you mentioned that a lot of people are referring to us as the new Kronk because that couldn't be farther from the truth. In fact, when I bought Kronk a year ago, um, I said, first, we're going to go back circa 1982. I want everything to be like 1982, including our colors, uh, the gold trunks with the red and blue stripe, the tank top that the amateurs are wearing. I want to go back to that time. And I'm not trying to recreate or capture lightning in a bottle. I simply want to restore Kronk back to, to, to its glorious days. And I know that we can't do that. I think, you know, uh, Tommy and, and Hilmer and uh, Jimmy Paul and Milton McCrory and the McCrory brothers, you know, that th that was once in a lifetime. But I do think we can take that magic and make it even a little bit more special by the youth development component we're adding to this. And, and, and my goal is that, you know, going forward that 
we will have an open class fighter in every weight division and every Golden Gloves tournament. That crack, when you see opponent across the ring wearing red and gold, it does mean something. That is our goal uh, on the boxing level. Yeah, and to follow up on that, uh, John, you're you're in the classroom right now, right? Yeah, I'm in the Escott classroom. Right there. You can see, we're getting ready to welcome the kids back to our, our new season here. School's just kicking off in, Det- in Detroit, so we start up uh, this coming Monday. How, how cool is that? And you talked, Jeff, you talked about the, the trunks, the iconic trunks. You guys just had to deal with title boxing, and they're going to supply the team with the trunks, the gear, but it's also the gym, right? Are they supplying like the bags and the mitts and all that kind of yes. stuff? Too? Yeah, they have the equipment. And it's really cool when you're in town on Friday, Mike, you'll see in one of the offices, we have a, we have a, a, a clothes rack with all the gold trunks and all the gold jerseys. And there's probably 30 of them lined up. And it is, it is 1982 again at Kronk. Mm. And so um, in the gym, we've taken a lot of time and effort to make sure that we uh, you you won't know the difference whether you're at McGraw and Junction, the original Cronk Gym, or this edition of the gym, but it looks like the original Cronk Gym. And it, it, it's half that's museum awesome. and half boxing gym. That's so cool. And I know for the kids, that's got to be so exciting to like walk in there and see their trunks, see their gear, you know, like that. that's, that's so important for the psyche and for the confidence, uh, you know. I, I, I don't know another gym in the world that can – both 43 world champions. And I, I, I think Kronk uh, probably has that record, but yeah, our, our kids are certainly fortunate to grow up in such rich history of the game. Awesome. You know, I'll, I'll say something, Mike, if I may, that uh, you two have a little something else in common that ties in with those colors. Uh, which one of you <laughs> gentlemen would like to tell that little story, <laughs> Mr. Styers? So I, you know, I, I fought for the all Marine boxing team. I'm a former U S Marine as well as Mike is as well. Thank you for your service. Thank you. Um, you know, I, I always, you know, on the boxing team, we're obviously red and gold of the Marine Corps colors. You know, two, two things happened at the point that we solidified this deal for me to be a majority owner uh, of Kronk going forward. The first was the colors. And I learned at signing that the reason that the red and gold is Emmanuel had such a reverence for the United States Marine Corps, which makes it very personal for me that, that those red and gold colors that I've known my whole life uh, you know, were to marry the uh, uh, the Marine Corps. Very special. The second thing, prior to doing this partnership, um, when we were Norway Boxing Gym, our tagline was, we're making champions in life both in and out of the ring. And then only then did I find at the signing that Escott, which has been synonymous with Kronk for years. In fact, Emmanuel Stewart wrote me a letter in uh, January of 84. Uh, I remember this story. I'll join the yeah. gym. It was on Escott letterhead. And I knew that Escott was crying, but I didn't know what Escott stood for, only to find out that it stood for Emmanuel Stewart's Champions of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So when it came time to, to for this partnership, it was kind of a no-brainer to make our youth development Escott uh, to kind of carry that on. I think that's so great. I can't wait to, as much as, you know, I'm, of course, I'm excited to check out the gym and, and all of that, get a workout in. I want to see the classroom. I want to see the kids. I want to see the program because I've heard so much about it. I've talked to you guys about it before. I just want to see it in action. You know, I, I think it's so important that we have things like that um, for our young people because so many of them are falling behind and it's great to get them in the ring boxing, which yep. is that other component because let's face it. 95% of these kids are not going to box past the amateur level, probably 99%. Right. Right. 
Yeah, and it's, it's cool to see them uh, really embrace the program, both sides of it, right? So we have two thirds of our kids are there for the camaraderie and the programming side. They'll never enter the inside the ropes and that's fine. The mm. other third probably don't want to go to the classroom. They just want they, they just want to work out and be inside those ropes. Right. Um, we have a program every summer uh, in partnership with University of Michigan where we teach something called math cores. It's uh, alternative math to at-risk kids. And so from June until August, we have about 40 kids in the gym every day that are learning math as well as, you know, life skills and some boxing. But it was really cool last year to see one of our senior kids on the boxing side want to be involved and actually be a, um, a camp leader and helping the younger kids academically when before academics wasn't his thing. So it's good to see that cross-pollination uh, of both sides. Let, let's face it, even if they do turn pro, they're going to need that education in their background. Absolutely. Both during their career and especially after their career because they're so short. Yeah, that's one thing that um, I, I made sure to include in my piece in Ring uh, earlier in the year. You know, Emmanuel Stewart had so many fighters that went on to be successful in business or um, real estate, other endeavors after their fighting career. And that's something that the media doesn't really talk about. They talk about the great champions because, you know, that's fun. That's interesting. But it's life after boxing. It, it, whether it's you have two amateur fights or you're a pro and you're a champion, you're going to have most of your life is going to be outside the ring. So the skills that you're teaching these kids are, are so important. Um, and then I love the community work, too. Because what every weekend they're working out in the community, right? Yeah, every Saturday they have to be involved in giving back. Our our, our philosophy is you're never too poor to give back. So whether it's it's donating time at the soup kitchen uh, or cutting grass or shoveling snow for senior citizens in the neighborhood, we want them to be involved in their community. And we just think that that will resonate as they get older about having mm -hmm. you know ownership and pride in where they live and helping out and helping others. Uh, we we hope that that philosophy stays with them throughout their life. Yeah, it's so important. Well, let's talk about the the card this Saturday. It's uh, from four to seven, right? Um, you guys have all your matches made yet or is there last minute changes? I know there's always like a last minute pull out. What's the deal, John? You see these bags under my eyes, Mike? <laughs> I told I you, in our meeting, I said, my God, I haven't worked this hard since Tyson Lewis. <laughs> um, I actually, I told Mike's, uh, a godfather to two of his kids today, we were on the phone. I said, Daryl, I said, it might as well be a Tyson fight, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, but kidding and seriousness aside, the cards coming together really good. Um, as Jeff said, you know, it's our goal to eventually, you know, build that team back up to where you have a lot of kids in the open classes that eventually will turn pro down the road. We've got, uh, right now, 10 solid fights on the board. Hopefully we can match the last two tonight, which would bring us up to 12. Great. And we've got, yeah. we're going against a few other uh, local gyms where there's some cronk tie-ins, which is pretty nice. Um, we have uh, K9, Cornelius Bundridge, the last cronk fighter to actually wear the cronk trunks in a world championship fight, along with uh, Tony Harrison, I believe, has a couple guys on the card. So we're excited to have, you know, uh, everybody in Detroit come together because as I, as I was taught years ago by Bill Kazursky when we used to do the Fight Night at the Palace series, is that you keep an open door policy and this isn't just about, you know, Kronk and, and, and necessarily, you know, Kronk versus everyone. It sounds nice, but, you know, I want to make it clear we have open door policy. If we can help any of the other gyms and get their fighters some exposure, that's what we're here for. I wish we had more of that in boxing because I see way too often um, people just want to push each other out and not work together. 
So the fact that you guys got some of K-9's kids on there, some of Tony's kids on there, that's awesome, man. It's it's more like Detroit versus everybody. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I love that. I absolutely love that. Uh, well, I'll be up there Friday morning. We're doing like the early 6 a.m. flight. So I'll probably have bags under my eyes like that. <laughs> but I'll see you uh, Friday. And I, I, I look forward to it, man. I can't wait to do this. And then, and then this is just the first of many, right? I know you guys are planning. Before I let you go, I just want to talk a little bit about plans for next year. Because you want to keep doing the amateur stuff, of course. But you also want to start doing pro cards again, correct? Absolutely. So, I mean, I mean, it's about, you know, it's, it's, it's about flirting with the boundaries of, of where Croc can go, you know, Croc had its, its heyday. And then let's face it, after Emmanuel's death, there was kind of a lull, a 10 year lull. Um, our goal is, you know, to, to brush off the dust and, and with John's help and, and John has been uh, just so instrumental in the program. I, I can't imagine where we'd be without him. So, um, all of this is due to his efforts and, and his commitment and passion to the program. But, you know, we just want to flirt with the boundaries of where we can go both as a brand and as a gym. And uh, there's nothing that's not on the table. You know, it's funny that Croc still resonates. So, so many people from across the world are, are contacting us about partnering and different uh, uh, initiatives and ideas and endeavors. And, and we're certainly open to all of them. You know, the, the, the one guiding star, though, is we have to remain true to what Croc's vision was per Emmanuel Stewart and, and the Stewart family, for that matter. So um, that is kind of our guiding star. And, and along with that, and even more important, is are we helping the youth along the way? So this isn't about monetizing Croc. This isn't about leveraging Croc. It's about how can we use Croc for good both for the uh, for the, for the stakeholders of Croc as well as and more importantly the youth that go along with it. That's such a great point. I want to add to that because there are a lot of Croc um, counterfeit cloth clothing uh, outfits out there. They're monetizing the Croc name. You guys, everything that you do is to fund the youth development program and keep the gym going for the kids. And I think that's something that gets lost on a lot of people. Because you guys probably could just do social media blitzes and market the hell out of crunk gear and make a ton of money because it does resonate and it's hip. It's cool. You get a couple rappers wearing it or something. You guys can make millions, but that's not what you're doing. You're keeping it local in Detroit and you're working directly with the kids. I think that is so freaking awesome. And I, I can't wait to get up there and meet you guys in person and meet the kids. It's going to be great. You guys can meet my very pregnant wife. She's starting to do the penguin walk a little bit. So you guys I hope she's not mad at me, Mike, after all these delays. Oh, she was mad a little. She was mad for a little while, Josh. She's over it now. She's over, she's like, are you gonna fight or not? What's going on, Mike? Are you gonna fight or not? Like, baby, this is boxing, especially the amateurs. You get pullouts all the time, and she's used to it, man. I still want to get that one pro the fight though. So we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. The John Lee Pack uh, path. Yeah. <laughs> One and done. Retire undefeated. Hey, works for me, man. I'm about to have my first my first baby. So um That's that will be my focus going forward. So anyway, um guys, thank you so much for being on. And like I said, I'll see you in a few days. I look forward to it. And uh it's gonna be great. Excellent. Thanks for having thank us, you. Mike. Thanks for having Have Mike. a good one. You thank too. you. All right, that was awesome. You guys see the passion in those gentlemen. Right. Uh, and it really is truly about 
the kids there in the community. And that's why um, I'm such a big supporter in a believer. Of course, Kronk is iconic with boxing and me being from Detroit growing up in that area. It's a, it's a pride thing, right? Of course. But learning about the youth development program, which admittedly I did not know a lot about as a kid, uh, as a younger person. And I learned about it, you know, from Jeff, from Sylvia, from, um, from John, and that is what's really impressed me the most. And, and that's what makes me so proud just to be a small little part of this. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. And guys, when I get you the information about the broadcast, so um, we were originally going to go live, but I think there were some concerns about going up head to head against Canelo Golovkin, which you can kind of understand. So I think we're going to record it. And then the WBC live channel is going to air the, um, the, the broadcast later on i think it'll either be, either be sunday or monday i'll of course let you guys know so you can check it out check out these kids and what they do all right uh so we got a loaded show so we should get on to this huh before i do that we got a bunch of super chats i want to catch up on aaron with the super chat thank you so much brother he says yo mike random question but what the hell happened between jeff mayweather and devin haney's dad that email is insane I don't know. Um, you guys got to let me know I, what happened there. I I uh, honestly have no idea, bro. Can you guys update me on this? Because um, I'm not sure. I, I'm, let me try to Google it. Let's see. Jeff Mayweather, Devin Haney. Well, Jeff Mayweather, Bill Haney. Let's see what comes up. Oh, we got something here. Boxing exclusive. Bill Haney responds to Jeff Mayweather. I'm not going to read this whole thing. I guess they're beefing. I don't know. You guys will have to, you guys will have to clue me in on what's going on with that. I don't know. Uh, George says, get some buddies. Oh, hell yeah. We're going to buddies pizza while we're up there. My wife will love that, but uh, we always hit buddies up when we go there and we hit the original on six and Conan. We don't go to all those other ones. We go to the original. That's where we'll be. <clears throat> let's see, let's see, let's see. I want to make sure I catch all these. Sarah with the super chat. Thank you so much, Sarah. She says, we need to bring back old time boxing from way back. Yes. And I know that's what they're trying to do up there. Um, it starts with, with the amateurs. It starts with the kids. You get them in the gym, get them comfortable fighting, and then um, you build from there. So I'm excited, man. I, I mean, the things that they're working on there at Kronk, I, I think, it's going to take time. These things take time, but 10 years down the road, you're going to start seeing a lot of, um, a lot of good things happening from all the little seeds that are being planted right now. Okay. So that was it. There's two super chats. We can move on. Okay, guys, news and notes. There's really only one item. And I talked about this on my Friday show, so I'm not going to spend forever talking about it here, but, uh, the all female fight card that was supposed to take place last weekend in London has been pushed back to October 15th. So October 15th will be a loaded, loaded day in boxing. Uh, you're going to have Haney Cambosos, the rematch in Australia, and I think Melbourne in Australia. And then in London, Shields Marshall, Mayor Baumgartner, which I still like that card. And then in Brooklyn, New York, uh, Deontay Wilder, Robert Hellenius. So you know, the thing is, on the surface, you guys might think, oh, I got to choose between which fight I'm going to watch live. Well, they're all in three completely different time zones. One's on the 
way on the other side of the world. One's right in the middle than the other ones here in America. So um, I think you probably could watch all of them live. It's just going to be one of those days where it's just a boxing day, right? For everybody. The only thing is some of these events are pay-per-view in different parts of the world, right? If you're in Australia, you got pay-per-view. If you're in the UK, you got a pay-per-view. If you're in the United States, you got a pay-per-view. So it might be more beneficial to watch the international fights that day. Um, okay, that's it for news and notes. I know a lot of you guys just want to get right to the big, big fight, and then we'll start, um, yeah, OJ22. Six Mile Conant Bunnies is that deal. Yes, dude, that's the one we hit up, the original. That's the one, you know, you went to as a kid, and you have those memories going with, you know, grandma and grandpa and all that kind of stuff, uh, or hitting up a Tigers game, old Tiger Stadium, and then you either eat at Greek Town or you go up to Buddy's afterwards. That's that, You got to keep that tradition going, man. So, by the way, again, any of my Detroit peeps watching this, if you want to do a meetup, maybe Friday night we'll meet up and uh, grab a beer or something like that. Since I ain't fighting, I can have a beer or two. Okay, uh, review. There's nothing to review, nothing major. There were a few fights here and there, but no major events. Let's get right to the preview, guys, because I know that's why all of you are here. If you want to get in the phones, jump on. Um, <laughs> Aaron, Aaron in the chat says, we're all awaiting Jack Alter's call, Mike. Yeah, I'm sure Jack is probably first on the list. Uh, yes, he is. <laughs> Jack is first on the list. So as soon as we go to the phones, we'll pick up Jack's call. I know Jack is very, very, very excited. Uh, all right, let me review this, okay? And then we'll start taking these calls. Saturday, September 17th, Matchroom Boxing does own pay-per-view in association with Canelo, his promotion, Golovkin's promotion, and all that good stuff. At the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, it is what I'm calling the rubber match between Gennady Golovkin and Canelo Alvarez. Canelo is 57-2-2, 32 years old. Golovkin is 42-1-1, 40 years old. This fight is for the undisputed super middleweight championship of the world. It will be the first defense, actually, of Canelo's undisputed championship. Now, he's got title defenses at super middleweight as he's collected the belts. But the undisputed championship that he won when he beat Caleb Plant, when he knocked him out, this will be the first defense of that undisputed championship. Keep in mind... Golovkin is a unified title holder at middleweight, so those belts are not on the line. So win, lose, or draw, whatever happens, Golovkin will also have those belts, and he'll have some decisions to make depending on what happens this Saturday night. Uh, we have a super chat from Mark Ashley. Thank you so much, Mark. He says, Triple G looked okay versus Murata. More vulnerable to body shots. Canelo is the favorite. Triple G deserves this, in my opinion, my honest opinion, sadly, his age is showing, should have happened sooner. Yeah, true that. Um, that's another thing. You know, first fight was in 2017. Rematch was in 2018. The third fight should have been 2019. Didn't happen. Now, why didn't it happen? There's a lot of speculation as to why. I think if you do the math and just look at the way Canelo has kind of conducted his career. This isn't an anti Canelo thread or anything here that I'm about to start, but it seems that him and his team, they waited triple G out the first time. I think they knew that they were very lucky to escape with the decision, a draw and a decision win in those two fights. And they played the waiting game some more and they were able to justify doing that by going on this 168 run. 
168, one of the weaker divisions in boxing in recent years. And the top challenger was David Benavidez, but he lost his belt because he did a little too much of the white girl in between fights and got busted. And so those belts were up for grabs. They were picked up by solid fighters, good fighters, but nobody near the level of uh, Gennady Golovkin, obviously, or Dimitri Bivol, or even David Benavidez, right? Even though Benavidez's resume is pretty weak, pretty poor, on paper, you know, the eye test, he looks better than the likes of Caleb Plant and, and Callum Smith and those guys. So uh, Canelo went on this little run, and we'll talk about, you know, that a little bit. And then Golovkin's kind of been chilling. Now, does that help him? Does it hurt him? Let's get into some of that, man. Um, first of all, let's talk about the rivalry of this fight, of these two, I should say, these, these three fights. My man Steve Kim uh, put out an article today um, talking about rivalries and how they're like a dying part of boxing, and it's very, very true. Um, the last generation of fighters, the Mayweather-Pacquiao generation, there was kind of a bait and switch there. Pacquiao had several rivalries that he gave us. Mayweather had none, right? His greatest rivalry was with Pacquiao. And most of the fighting in that rivalry took place among the fan bases on social media and factions of the boxing media itself. And finally, when it happened, it was years past its due date and it was a complete dud that still continues to hurt the sport. Um, it raised the stakes in terms of dollars made, but in terms of branding and building fans, it actually hurt the sport. The fight was made fun of on Saturday Night Live the following week. The people at Saturday Night Live have no idea about boxing, but they made fun of the fight. Okay, that tells you how damaging it was. So that was the last great bait and switch, right, by that generation. And um, particularly Mayweather and, and Heyman and the way that they conduct business. Not to make this an anti-Mayweather thread that I'm about to start. You know, it's not anything like that. It's just the truth about the business and the way it's conducted now. So if it were the 1980s, Floyd and Manny probably would have fought three or four times, right? We have evidence because you know, I can point back to rivalries we actually had in the 80s and the 90s. And you saw these guys fight over and over. And now it seems... The, the play is to build things up as much as you can, manipulate the fans as much as you can, and then cash out like you're going out of business. As Dana White said, you know, a lot of boxing promotions uh, feel like a going out of business sale. And that was a very smart, it might be the smartest thing Dana White's ever said, at least in relation to boxing. Because 99% of about what he says about boxing is absolute idiocy. But he nailed it with that one. He really did. So in this day and age, You've had a couple of rivalries. A couple of you guys brought up uh, Chocolatito Estrada. Great two fights, but they were almost a decade apart, okay? First fight was in 2012, and then the second fight was last year, what, 2021? You're going to get the third fight in 2022. That's great. But the three fights were spaced out over a decade. So it is a rivalry, but those guys don't hate each other. Their fan bases don't hate each other. It's... Those three fights are kind of fights that all boxing diehards love. There's really no argument. You might argue about who you, who you thought won, and maybe you didn't agree with the decision or something like that, but pretty much everybody wins, right? When I think of rivalries, I think of fighters that don't like you, uh, each other, their fan bases don't like each other, the media 
is divided 50-50 on it. Uh, it. And, and, and biggest thing, it breaks through. It trends, especially in the modern era of boxing, right? Um, casual fans are talking about it. The, the, the non-boxing mainstream media is talking about it. And so when you look at it that way, I don't think Chocolatito Estrada qualifies. Great rivalry, great fights, but I don't think it qualifies. In the modern era, after the, the Manny and Floyd debacle, there's two rivalries that stand out, okay? At heavyweight, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Three fight series. The first fight wasn't that great, but it did have some dramatic moments. The second fight and the third fight had a lot of dramatic moments between them, right? And there was so much animosity and anger and hatred from Deontay Wilder's side and his fans and his protectors in the American boxing media, his protectors in the BWAA and organizations like that. Um, they came with so much vitriol and anger and it became something bigger than boxing for them um, that it made for a very dramatic environment and feel. But if you actually look at those three fights, I can't remember exactly how many rounds were between them. It, I don't know, 28, 29 rounds, something like that. Wilder won two rounds in the first fight, zero in the second fight, and maybe two or three rounds in the third fight. So out of 28, almost 30 rounds, Tyson Fury won well over 20 of them, 20, 25 of the rounds. It was extremely one-sided. After the, actually the, the third fight between those two, it came on last night. I can't remember what channel. I was swimming through the channels and I saw it on, so I checked it out. And I was amazed at the commentary from the sixth round on. And, and I like the guys on that commentary team. They're nice guys and they love boxing. But like Brian Kenny, Andre Ward, Lennox Lewis, but particularly Brian Kenny, was trying to convince the audience that they were seeing this great two-way battle and that Wilder was landing these hellacious shots that were rocking Tyson Fury. And, and the truth is, from the 6th through 11th round, that was completely one-sided and an absolute beatdown. And Deontay Wilder showed tremendous heart, but Tyson Fury, if he was a bigger puncher, a more explosive puncher, and he wasn't so sloppy, and he wasn't 100% in that fight, he was nowhere near... Uh, as healthy as he was for the second fight, as he was uh, the third fight, he just wasn't as healthy. But had he been a little sharper that night, Wilder was ready to go after the sixth round. It just lingered. And props to Wilder for showing a lot of heart and for his corner, for letting him get brain damage and refusing to stop it for a few rounds for pride, I guess. But he showed tremendous heart and grit. Got to give it to him. But man, that fight was over. The reason why I bring this up, guys, is because. Yes, that was a rivalry, but it was more of a rivalry among the fan bases and the media and stuff like that. The actual action outside of the outside of the four knockdowns Wilder scored in that series, because I think he had two in the first fight and two in the third fight, although one of them was a push. There was only one legit knockdown Wilder scored in that third fight. I don't care what anyone says. The second one was a push. Outside of that, there may have been one round he won with boxing seriously one round in the entire series so 
I don't put that anywhere near the same stratosphere as Canelo Golovkin. That's what I've been trying to get to. This is the rivalry of this generation. And in fact, it's probably the rivalry of the 2000s. Because again, when I go back to the Floyd Manny era, that was the rivalry that wasn't because of both sides, but more so because of Floyd and Floyd's handlers. That was the rivalry that never happened, right? So we didn't get the, the, the three-fight series between those two that we should have got. We did, and we were going to, with Canelo and Golovkin. Now, you could argue that Canelo waited Golovkin out a little bit. He didn't get an absolute prime Golovkin, sure. But Golovkin in 2017 was still the best middleweight in the world. He was. And even in 2018, was probably still the best middleweight in the world. Um, is he right now? I, I think he still is. I mean, we, we got to see. Charlo hasn't proved he is. Andre is ducking mandatories and moving up to 68. So, so you could make an argument. Golovkin is still the best middleweight in the world. And Canelo is, at least he's got all the belts. He's an undisputed super middleweight champion. And he's certainly among the top five boxers in the world, pound for pound. Golovkin is still in the top 15 or so in the world, pound for pound, at least in the top 20. So you're still getting high-level stuff. And the two first fights, 24 rounds, were really close. Regardless of how you score it, and everyone's got revisionist history now with the way they're scoring it, which is really suspect. Regardless of how you scored it, these have been super competitive fights. And as good as that first fight was, the second fight heightened things. If we get a third fight that's even better, if it's on the same level as the second fight or better, in terms of drama and skills and will, all of it. Guys, this is the rivalry of the century because we're only 22 years into the century. And I can't think of a three-fight series. Correct me if I'm missing something here. A three-fight series that took place this century, this millennium, that has been as good as this one. And I'm saying all this with the hope that we get a really great third fight. Now, if we don't, then my opinion will change, okay? But if we get a fight that is equal to that second fight or better, boom, this this is it. This is absolutely it, man. All right. Um, I just want to make sure. There's a super chat real quick I want to get to. Sam with the super chat. Thank you so much. He said, extremely one-sided, therefore not fight of the year for sure. Yeah, anybody calling Fury Wilder fight of the year, that's nuts. It, it just wasn't. There were some dramatic moments for sure. But if you watch that fight and turn off the commentary and just look at what you're seeing, you're seeing a guy who's ready to go from the sixth round on and another guy who can't quite get him out of there because he's kind of sloppy and just not having his best night. <clears throat> That's what it was. Oh, did I miss another one? Yeah. Hang on one second, guys. Lucas Nunez with the super chat. Thank you, Lucas. He says, the issue with Wilder is that he had the potential to be great if he just learned how to jab and throw a left hook, but arrogance is undefeated. Yeah, man, I, look, Wilder, dynamite right hand, always in shape, tremendous will, uh, tough as hell, but the jab that we saw from him in the first fight with Berman Stavern, I've talked about this before, but when I saw that first fight with Berman Stavern, I was like, Damn, yo, Deontay Wilder, we might have something here. I was more excited and more impressed 
with his performance in that fight than any fight since. And I know I'm in rare company there. I'm probably the only one on earth because everyone else is more impressed with the knockouts. But knocking out B-level after C-level guy and 45-year-old men who aren't even cleared by the commission until that morning because they're on blood pressure medication um, that stand right in front of you, that doesn't impress me as much as winning a fight off your jab. That impressed the hell out of me from Wilder. There was just no development from there. And the people that he had around him who actually cared about him as a human being and wanted to improve him as a fighter, Mark Breland and Lou DiBella basically got told to go fuck themselves and got kicked out. Everyone else has been yes-men in that that corner ever since. So it is what it is. Okay, what else do I have here? Um, Here's a good point. We have seen Canelo Alvarez north of 160 pounds. We know how he looks at 168 and how he fights there, how he has to fight there. We have never seen Golovkin fight north of 160. We simply do not know how he is going to look at 168. Will he look rejuvenated? Will he have more power to his punches or less power? Some guys move up in weight and that extra meat, that extra mass, that extra muscle adds power to their punches. Some guys move up and they lose power. We won't know. How will his chin hold up there? Was it better at 160? Will it be better at 168? I know it's the same guy in Canelo Alvarez that he's fighting, but Canelo has been fighting bigger guys the last four years. Golovkin hasn't. So we don't know how he's going to look. That is a big X factor. And there are people out there saying, you know, they're they're so positive they know how he's going to look and all this. Man, that's kind of arrogant. You really don't. We won't know until we know. Here's what we do know. Since the second fight between his two in 2018, Canelo has fought eight times. Golovkin has fought four times. Let's look at who they've fought. Canelo has fought Rocky Fielding, Daniel Jacobs, Sergey Kovalev, Callum Smith, Avni Yildirim, Billy Joe Saunders, Caleb Plant, Dimitri Bevel. He is seven and one with five knockouts. That resume, um, I don't really you know. There's a couple asterisks. The Kovalev fight, I put a massive asterisk next to that and stuff. But overall, that's a pretty good run. It really, really is. And, you know, eight fights in four years, only one loss uh, to, to Demetri Bevel. There's no shame in that. Bevel is a really, really good fighter. That's a good run. Now, you compare that to Golovkin. Steve Rolls, Sergey Derevyanchenko, Camille Zermeda, Ryota Murata. Golovkin's 4-0 with three knockouts. He had a really tough fight against Derevyanchenko. There are people out there that will try to tell you Derevyanchenko won that fight. He didn't. Golovkin edged it. He knocked down Sergey and he edged it. Close fight, took a lot of punishment, but he won. Still, very, very close, right? I look at these four fighters, and as much as I respect Derevyanchenko and Murata, these four fighters do not match the level of opposition that Canelo has faced. And fighting eight times in the four-year span versus four times. Also, not fighting at all last year, where Canelo, you know, Golovkin didn't fight at all. Canelo, one of the most, I think maybe the most active champion in the sport last year. How will those things affect this fight? Did Golovkin knock off enough rust against Murata? Remember, that fight was at 160. Okay, so it wasn't like he got to try out his 168 body. He had to weigh in at 160. Did he knock off enough rust to 
get you know go into the, this fight against Canelo charging out in the first round 100% or is it going to take him a few rounds to get into a rhythm is he going to be able to pick up right where he left off the last time he saw Canelo it made a nice little adjustment in the final few rounds of that rematch in 2018 uh, we we just don't know again it's one of those things we can it's all conjecture we can guess but you're not going to know until you see it I think we kind of know what to expect from Canelo. The X factor here, the question is, we just don't know what to expect from Golovkin. That's um, th that's the big question to me. Uh, body punching. Body punching is going to be huge in this fight. Uh, Golovkin simply hasn't done it in recent fights. He has not gone down to the body. And if Canelo's coming forward on Golovkin, he really won't need to. Uh, Golovkin didn't do it in the second fight because he kind of didn't need to because Canelo was coming forward and kind of right in his face. So the adjustment Golovkin made was to use the jab even more than he did in the first fight. If Canelo tries to move around and stay on the outside and load up on big punches, which is the way he's been fighting since he moved up to 168, then I really do think Golovkin should invest in the body. And I'm, I'm interested to see how that works. For Canelo, Canelo needs to go to the body immediately. Gennady Golovkin has been buzzed. I'm not, not buzzed, but hurt a little bit a couple times to the body in recent fights. Derevyanchenko did it. Murata did it. If those guys can bother him to the body, and I'm not saying Golovkin was hurt like he was going to go down or the fight was in danger of being over or anything, but he was visibly hurt by body punches from those guys. Now, those were fights that had a very high pace. A lot of punches were being thrown. So you're huffing and puffing, right? Your ribs are expanding and you get caught with a shot, it hurts. If you're fighting at a pace where there's only 400, 500 punches being thrown, it's much easier to take body shots. So if Canelo isn't being very active and pushing Golovkin with volume, then those body shots won't hurt as much. But if I'm Canelo, I'm going to the body early and often in this fight and I'm going hard. One thing about body punches that I don't think a lot of people realize, they hurt more as you get older. When you are younger, you are just able to take body punches more. It's just how it works. I don't know the science behind it. I honestly don't freaking know. But it's true. Throughout boxing history, if you look at it, younger fighters take body punches better than older fighters. It is a fact. It's just part of aging. You could take it to the chin better if you've got a good chin. but. Uh, to the body, for some reason, older guys just don't handle it as well. Um, anyway, let's talk real quick about punch volume, punch numbers. I do think it's relevant to bring this up here because uh, there's a couple things people tend to overlook when they're looking at the first two fights. So according to CompuBox, in the first fight, uh, Golovkin, of course, landed more jabs. 108 jabs to only 55 for Canelo. It was almost identical in the second fight. Golovkin landed 118 jabs to 59 for Canelo. The big difference was in the power punching category. In the first fight, Canelo had a slight edge, 114 to 110 in landed power punches. In the rematch, Canelo landed 143 to Triple G's 116. So both guys upped their punching volume and the punches landed, but Canelo increased significantly with power punching, particularly body punching. Uh, Canelo landed 46 body punches in the rematch to only six 
for Golovkin. So the difference in the second fight, everybody knows this, Canelo came forward. Well, what does that mean? It means he's coming forward, going to the body, throwing power punches. And Golovkin, although he threw more overall punches, it was almost all jabs. And for some reason, the judges didn't like that. The judges preferred Canelo coming forward and throwing body punches, which is the same thing Triple G did in the first fight and got ripped off. It just seems that suddenly they didn't like the jabs. Um, <clears throat> in the first fight, Triple G threw 198 more punches, threw <clears throat> almost 200 more punches than Canelo, 703 to 505. In the rematch, Golovkin threw 257 more, 879 to 622. So that's amazing. I mean, Golovkin threw 170 more punches in that second fight, and Canelo threw about 120 more. Both three more. The difference, once again, for Golovkin, he was throwing more jabs. For Canelo, he was throwing more power punches, particularly to the body. And I think the judges and the fans, seeing Golovkin get pushed backward, seeing him get stopped in his tracks, seeing Canelo be aggressive, that almost shocked them. They were not used to seeing that. No one's really done that with Golovkin. Or they have in spots, but not for an entire fight. For my money, though, I like the adjustments Golovkin made in that rematch. I think that people don't give Golovkin enough credit for being the crafty boxer he is and being able to make adjustments like that. Um, so anyway, I bring all that up because I'm curious about what we're going to see in this third fight. Is Canelo going to press the issue again and come forward? Does Golovkin want to be the guy who's pressing the action and coming forward? Is that what he's prepared for? If that's what both guys want to do, they're going to meet right at the center of the ring and we might get a freaking slugfest, you know? If that is what happens, if both guys come out wanting to be aggressive and push forward, who's going to be the guy who makes the first adjustment? Who's going to win that battle of wills and who's going to be the guy who makes the first adjustment? Um, that's going to be really, really interesting to see. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Yeah, yeah. So I, I got that uh, Canelo threw more power punches, Triple G threw more jabs and less power punches. Yeah, I looked at this. Golovkin actually threw less power punches overall in the rematch than he threw in the first fight. I do think that was a mistake. He's got to throw more power punches. But, you know, I looked at power, I looked at punch numbers for Canelo's recent fights, and I found some interesting trends. I looked at, uh, let's see, when he fought Plant, when Canelo fought Caleb Plant, Plant only threw 441 punches. When he fought Saunders, he threw uh, 284. That's it. When he fought Smith, and that was a 12-round fight, Smith threw 539. So Canelo was able to keep their punch volume low. And Plant and, and Saunders, they, they never throw a lot of punches anyway. But keeping their output low helped Canelo's stamina, and it helped him wind up on shots and really put a lot into the body punches, the hooks, the uppercuts. That got results for him in those fights against bigger fighters. But when he fought Bevel, Bevel threw 710 punches. And Bevel was so active, consistently active, that Canelo only threw 495. He was able to limit Canelo's offense. And it was the least amount of punches Canelo had thrown in a 12-round fight in a while. Um, Kovalev had a lot of success against Canelo. 
before he got knocked out. He had thrown 745 punches before getting stopped in the 11th round. Canelo had only thrown 345. So I think the secret to Canelo a lot of times is making him uncomfortable with the pace of the fight because he does have a tendency to slow down. And what he's done against these bigger guys is not punch as much. And he winds up because he wants his punches to hurt, right? He wants his punches to have an effect. And because he's got extra bulk on him, I think he tires easier, but he does get a little more torque on his punches. He throws with a lot of speed. Um, he, he really uses his hips well and turns over on his shots, particularly the looping shots over the top, the body punches. So I just don't know if he's going to be able to do that against Golovkin, though, because Golovkin's going to break all that shit up with a jab. I mentioned Canelo's fights against Bevel and Kovalev. Obviously, Bevel, you know, beat the brakes off of Canelo, and, and, and Kovalev had a lot of success. Those guys were jabbing in between Canelo's big wind-up hard power punches where he tries to go hard to the body and all that. That's all Golovkin's got to do, right? The only difference is Golovkin's got to mix up and get some more power punches in between those exchanges to get the judge's attention. Um, but that's the secret, I, I think, is throwing off that rhythm and keeping him at the end of a jab. Also, Bevel and Kovalev were able to do that because they're a lot taller. They're a lot longer. Golovkin's not. Golovkin's not taller or longer than Canelo. They're pretty much the same size. Golovkin might be a tad taller, but not much. So anyway, um, just throwing all this stuff out there just to have this play in your guys' mind and see what you think. Um, as far as I see the fight, I actually think it's going to be a really, really good one again. I think these two know each other very well. I think Golovkin is going to turn back the clock and give us a vintage Triple G performance. It's going to go 12. I, I think it's going to be a decision for Canelo. Um, it would not shock me at all to see Golovkin get the decision this time. Because Canelo, you know, he is the cash cow, but he is coming off um, a decision loss to Bevel. Maybe going up in weight has changed him. Maybe there's some speed off his fastball. Maybe Golovkin looks rejuvenated at 168 and he turns back the clock and he's been um, resting these last four years, hasn't been fighting as much. Maybe Canelo's worn himself out a little bit and maybe Golovkin gets the nod. But I pretty much see this fight going the distance. And I see it being fought very, very close. Um, and we get another decision that's going to have fans arguing. Whether fans are out there saying, man, I thought Canelo won that fight. Triple G got the decision and I thought Canelo won. Or we get the same old story we got with the first two fights where a lot of people thought Triple G got ripped off. I think that's what's going to happen. Now, also, uh, real quick, guys, undercard, Jesse Bam Rodriguez, 16-0, 22 years old, going up against Mexican Israel Gonzalez. This is the second defense of BAM's WBC junior bantamweight title. If BAM wins this fight big, and to be clear, uh, Gonzalez, most of his fights have been in Mexico, loses whenever he steps up. He lost against Chocolatito, Khalid Yafai, Jerwin Ancajas, but he's only been stopped once. He was stopped against Ancajas, right? He goes rounds. He took Chocolatito and Yafai the distance. If BAM wins this fight big and knocks this guy out, he is right up there along with Alexander Usyk as the fighter of the year candidate, right up there at the top, and he might take it. Usyk might be the sentimental favorite, and we'll talk about that later on. But if Bam wins this fight big, he's right up there at the top. 
Also on this card, Ali uh, Akhmadov, 18 and 1. This is his third fight back since his lone defeat. Going up against Gabriel Rosado, 10 rounds, super middleweights. Man, I like Rosado. Balls of steel, fights anybody. True throwback. But going back to 2013, when he lost against Triple G, absolutely battered against Triple G in 2013. So going back a decade here, okay? Rosado is 5 10 in one in his last 16. He has won five of his last 16 fights. So I, I just, at what point does Rosado and his team decide to walk away into the sunset? Uh, the thing is with all his experience, this is kind of a step back up for Akhmedev, right? He had that, that one loss. They've gotten him a couple W's. You know, now he's going to try to get in there against an experienced veteran guy, and they're trying to see where he's at. That's what's up with this matchup. All right, that's why they're matching this thing. Uh, so hopefully we don't see Rosado get really, really hurt because the dude is just taking a lot of punishment. Okay, let's check some Super Chats. Uh, some of you guys are talking about the height difference between Golovkin and Canelo. I know, listen. Golovkin's a little, I've met both these guys in person several times. Golovkin is a little bit taller. Canelo has a wider base and is a solid, stocky dude. It's not like Golovkin's a lot bigger. Also, Canelo's been fighting at 168 and 175 against much larger men. Golovkin hasn't. Size won't be a factor in this matchup. It wasn't in the first two. It won't be here. Super chat from Israel Kano Jr. Thank you so much, Israel says, I've got Triple G by decision. Let's go, Triple G. Even though it's Vegas and the judges there are shady. Hey, man, again, it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me if this time – I'm trying to think of um, an example I could give you guys. When De La Hoya fought Shane Mosley, Oscar De La Hoya fought Shane Mosley, there was a couple decisions, and fans thought – it went one way, uh, and fans thought – one guy won, and then the next one they thought another guy won. Um, so it's like the the robbery went both ways in the eyes of a lot of fans um, during that rivalry. So maybe that's what we get here. You know, maybe it's a really close fight. Triple G gets the nod this time, and Canelo fans are screaming foul, right? which will be kind of funny, kind of ironic. But if you go with the history of Nevada and the history of these two fighters and the history of boxing – a really close round, probably going to go Canelo's way, right? Which means in the end, if you have a fight that's really close with a lot of swing rounds, Canelo's probably going to edge it. That's just probably what's going to happen. Another super chat from Sam. Thank you so much, Sam. So Triple G afraid to go to the body. Canelo counters uppercut. Yeah, Canelo, is made, Canelo makes it very difficult to go to the body. Makes it very, very difficult to go to the body. You can get him, though. It's all about positioning, and you can get the right body shot off if you position yourself off to the side and you time it the right way. And I think it would behoove Triple G to at least try a few times to land a couple of hard body shots like that early on uh, if he could position himself the right way. But, yeah, standing right in front of him, ducking down, throwing a body shot, probably not going to end well for Triple G. He's going to get countered. Okay, I think we're caught up on Super Chats. All right. Nacho says, uh, Bam is going to rule 115 once Estrada and Chocolatita are gone. I completely agree with you. I think from uh, from next year, 
going forward. Uh, 2023 is going to take over that division. All right, guys, we've got a ton of calls lined up, and several of them are from overseas. So when I say let's keep it quick, some of you guys have been on hold for an hour. Let's try to keep it quick, all right? For real. Just get right to it. Boom, bam, bam. I need fast combinations, okay? Let's bring Jack on the line here. I know he's excited. He's going to Vegas with his pops to check this fight out. Jack, what's up, man? You're on the show. Yes, sir. If you guys haven't seen, uh, Mike and I did a prediction yesterday on my channel. Uh, it was really great, and uh, I talked about it, but I've been thinking more and more about it, and yes, I'm going to Vegas. I'm so, so excited. Um, and I just want to say a quick uh, misconception with people. So guys like Aaron are saying, well, I'm sad for Triple G. He's gonna, I'm a Triple G fan, but, you know, he's going to get stopped. Okay, bro. So let me ask you something. Canelo's opposition – there's always been something off about them. Like, like, let me tell you what I mean. Rocky Fielding, and this is after Golovkin. Rocky Fielding, that's eh. Daniel Jacobs, not as focused, and they weight drained him without a rematch clause. Sergey Kovalev, do I have to talk even more? Uh, Callum Smith, uh, weight drained. Abney Yildirim, mandatory. Billy Joe Saunders, not focused, and a punch in the god fractured his orbital bone. Caleb Plant, um, uh, has bad conditioning, but is a pretty good boxer. And Canelo was getting out boxing to fight and knocked him out. Then Bivol, nothing wrong. And guess what? Guess what happened? What, what happened when he fought Bivol, Mike? He was dominated. Yeah, exactly. Canelo got dominated. Um, Michael Mendiola, just uh, check out my channel. Um, but the guys that Golovkin has fought, if we're excluding Bivol, I think a prime Derevchenko is better than anyone that Canelo's beat. I'm serious. Yeah, I probably would give you that. What do you think um, about that? Let me look here on this list. Yeah, I mean, uh, now I think Kovalev at his prime was better than Derevchenko, but obviously Canelo didn't fight a prime Kovalev. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, you're probably right. Uh, actually, Jacobs might have, was probably better than Derevchenko too at his best. But again, it's all about they timing. It's all about timing. Fight. Yeah, yeah, it's all about timing. So I think Derevchenko is better than anyone can ever beat. So um, I really think this is going to be super entertaining. I think it's going to be just such a fun fight. That's why I'm so hyped. Like, what are the chances you think I can get pictures with like three or four fighters? Because, dude, I want to have a ton of fun there. You're, there's going to be a lot of fighters around. I would go to the weigh-in, dude. That's where you're going to see a lot of fighters. Go to the weigh-in. Um, Saturday is going to be a lot tougher because they're going to be doing media stuff Saturday. But if you go to the weigh-in and hang out, that's where you'll meet fighters. Okay, got it. And uh, so, guys, I think that um, I think it's going to be a fun fight, really fun. But Canelo is just thinking he's going to walk over Golovkin to focus on golf, and I think this is a perfect moment for Triple G. He's just always been a better fighter. And I've been saying I think he knocks Canelo out in the fourth round, but the thing is, he has to go to the body. The thing about Golovkin is these Eastern Europeans have um, have this mindset of um, I, I don't need to knock this guy out. I got to win. That's what Bivol does. Golovkin says, I don't need to knock guys out. I got to win. Uh, I don't need to knock guys out. I can win without, you know, knocking them out. And same thing with Vladimir Klitschko did. And Golovkin said that, but he's such an offensive machine that he's able to knock so many guys out. He's going to hit Canelo a lot. He is. Golovkin's going to hit Canelo a lot. And um, Canelo, you know, anybody can be knocked down with a punch. It's going to be hard to knock down uh, Canelo. Oh, Gail, Gail Falkenthal says Wayne is outside. It'll be brutally hot. Jackson, go to the public. 
final news conference. Yeah, if you're there for the presser. When are you going? I won't be there for the presser. I'm oh, okay. Going Friday, leaving Friday. Oh, yeah, that's I'll be what there. I I'll be there for the weigh-in. Okay. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I already covered most of this on my channel, but Triple G's gonna, I mean, you know, I can talk all I want, but you're just gonna have to see it for yourself. Um, yeah, my, I find Mike interesting. He says Canelo robbery. Um, do you think this is going to look like the second fight or first fight? Or, like, do you think, like, what do you think is going to happen in the fight? Like, 7-5 Golovkin? It's going to, I think it's going to be another seven round to five round kind of a fight. Yeah, that's just what I see. No knockdowns. Both guys get hurt. Both guys gritted out. Some ebb and flow. 7-5 and fans will be bitching on social media about who they think got the seven rounds. Yeah, man, it's going to be tough, but uh, I already talked for you, uh, talked with you for so long on my uh, channel, so I'm going to let the other callers talk. But, dude, I'm so fucking hyped for this. I'm so hyped. Okay, <laughs> You'll have uh, to give us a full uh, report yeah, next week, man. Man. You'll have to give us a full report next week. Dude, absolutely. I'll, I'll take a shit ton of pictures, but uh, cool. hell yeah, guys. Uh, curious to hear what the other callers say. Peace out, bro. All right, thanks a lot, Jack. Yeah, Jack was telling me um, – that he uh, th he's never been to Vegas for a fight, so him and his dad are going, and that's that's going to be special, man. I think um, you know having that first big fight experience in Vegas and being able to share it with your dad, like that's that's going to be super cool. I, I hope they have a great time, man. Uh, let's see, super chat from Doctor Repper. Thank you so much. He said, "Killer for me is head movement." Ah, oh, that's a good point, dude. I didn't even bring it up. He said, "Canelo is too hard to hit." And makes guys gun shy. Triple G can't press the pace like Bivol. Far lower volume. Good point, dude. The only thing I will say is Triple G is very, very good at um, timing the jab and shooting it to the chest, shooting it to the shoulder when he has to. I think that's what he'll do against Canelo. And also, he'll use it to push off or post up, as my coach says. When you jab on someone and you kind of get on their shoulder and move their shoulder and you kind of move them where you want them, and that's where you get the power shot off. And it's like I said before about going to the body. If you can position yourself where you can't be countered with an uppercut, you get off completely to the side where your guy's shoulder, like your chin is at their shoulder and you just hook right to the gut. You kind of go up 45 and then you're off where they can't counter. You can spin out. You can also use, let's say you're throwing a, let's say you're on, Triple G gets on Canelo's right side, right? And Canelo's right shoulder is right here. Uh, where Triple G's chin is. If Triple G gives a 45 right to the gut and then uses his left hand to post up on him and push off on the shoulder and get out, there you can't be countered with an uppercut. Harder said than done, but Canelo's feet don't move nearly as good as his head. I agree with you, though, Dr. Repper. If, he, if, if, if Triple G tries to headhunt, it ain't going to work for him. I think he knows that, though. I think he knows that. Chris Singh with an amazing super chat. Thank you so much, my man. He says, Canelo coming off a loss, more aggressive Triple G by stoppage. Wow, so a few of you guys would take a Triple G, not only to win, but by stoppage. He says, happy belated birthday to your wife. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you so, so much. It's an awesome super chat, man. I really appreciate it. And Sam with another super chat. Thanks again, Sam. He said, Bivol, tall and long, tight defense. Triple G, easy to hit. Jack, if you could slip into the media room, ton of fighters. Yeah, Jack, if you could get into the media room, that's what it's all about. But some of those guys will be hanging around the MGM 
after the presser, after the weigh-in, because they're going to be doing interviews and you can catch them walking around. You'll see people taking pictures with them and stuff like that. You just, the thing is, dude, you got to hang around for a while. And, you know, that's, that's all you can really do is just hang out. Okay. Um, back to the phones we go. Well, this guy's been waiting for over an hour. Okay. Let's go to uh, 732. You're on the show. What's up? What's up, Mike? Uh, congrats on being a father now. But Thank you. The big thing I'll talk about this, uh, this fight, I was planning on going, but I saw these ticket prices, I said, because flying over from New Jersey to Vegas, I said, fuck that. And yeah. now I'm 21. I'm turning 22 in October. I want to save as much money as I can to these so expensive. But I found out that there's a movie theater showing in a movie theater near my area. So if I can't do a fight party, that's the idea of the movie theater. Which, that is an indictment because I saw a lot of people on Twitter uh, talking about, oh, this fight doesn't have any bugs, right? I said, bro, it's in a damn movie theater. How many fights have, in this modern era, outside of Fury Wilder ones, I can't really remember any fights being in movie theaters. Now, I definitely um, think that Canelo has to work the body even more than before. Because... Uh, Triple G shows that was body shots from Murata hurt. And they went in for, I mean, not like a drop because that man has will of something else. Like, I don't think I've seen will like in a very long time. And, but he said I'd come into the body because he knows that he's coming off a loss. His stock, Canelo's stock is a little bit lower because, you know, people are in this modern era, which I think is the biggest bullshit ever, that people write people off just for losing their top elite fighters, which I think is nonsense. That's exactly why we don't get the fight we want. Because everybody's so scared of seeing the media reaction. But if you look at Joshua, the UK publisher, whatever color, they're literally calling him trash because the first time he lost at Usyk. I mean, like, right. come on, is that kidding me? The man has fought so many, not to veer away from the Canelo Triple G discussion, but just to show you why so many guys are afraid of fighting top level opponents. That's why I have so much respect for Jamel Charlo versus his brother. Jermel wants to fight. Jermel would guarantee right now, if he was at 160, he would be like, fuck it, I'll go fight David Benavides right now. He's got more balls than his brother. Yeah. Now, I'm sorry I'm going off topic here, but I really ain't going off topic here, but I'm <laughs> it's a fan all good, of both man. It all, it all relates. Friday. It all relates. So I get it. And you were talking about it on Friday, how Canelo fans and Triple G fans can't each. I'm the one, I, I love both guys. These are the top two middleweights in the time of life boxing. Ever since I watched boxing, cops into that light heavyweight. So it's really been these two guys, Jacobs and uh, Sergio Martinez. That just shows how bad middleweight has been. Because the middleweight now is horrible. I don't, let's not even get started into that. But these guys have dominated the division. They gave us two great fights. They were great fights. Now I have a one to one. That first fight, Adelaide Bird, and I mean this literally, should have been sent to prison. So how the fuck <laughs> you give it? You know, 10 rounds. And I mean, this, like, I'm a Canelo fan. I, and I was in a triple G one, 116, 112. That's this fight. That's how I scored it. And then I'm also a triple G fan, so I can say that too. 116, 112. But the second fight was Razor Bit. That was closer to a draw than the first one by yes. far. Thing. But that one, 115, 113, I can listen to either side. You mean either side, you 115, 113? I'm fine with it. Uh, and that's, that was that game close. That's why it was amazing. And I'm hyped for this third one, especially watching the Dizone. The other. And making a Canelo that doctor they did. Hello? Oh. Yeah, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. You dropped off there, so, man. No, oh, okay. I don't know. Something, 
probably walking around. I was uh, trying to walk around, so I don't sit down. Oh, okay. That makes me the Canelo doc. You got me hyped for this uh, first flight. Like, I was like, uh, do I? But then it just got me hyped more thinking about it. So those two fights I watched them recently while working out, I was watching them. And I was like, yeah, I can't wait for the third fight. Even, I think both guys just have a genuine rivalry. They're going to come for each other. And especially, I mean, look, everybody says Fury Wilder 3 would be, there's no point in having it, right? That was the best damn fight of the three of them. That's a good point. Both guys. So it could happen. Very well could. And also, your Friday show, somebody brought up NBA being, um, they took a week off. That's not even accurate. They're literally games on the day Kobe died. The Lakers weren't scheduled to play. They took that Tuesday game off the Lakers and Clippers. And the Lakers played on the 31st of January because he died on the 26th. So, oh, okay. Been, no. So we, people didn't know what the hell they were talking uh, about, man. Yeah, no, I'm, I watch basketball. Basketball is the number one sport. I'm playing it for close to more than until college. So I went to college in 2018. So I played pro until from 2006 until 2018 at least. Some 12 years. So like I've watched the game for a long time. But okay. The NFL didn't even stop for JFK now. I think the Lakers game did get postponed. The one that they had they were supposed to play the Clippers. And that one was a special case because that was in LA. So that one, okay, the uh, TNT, they moved it around. And then, but other than that, they don't postpone much, which I really wish they didn't do that this card because this card and that um, September 10th had nothing going on that day. Yeah. There's literally nothing going on except for the UFC fight, which I did watch. <laughs> that one was a crazy mess on its own. But, but other than that, I can't wait for this fight. And I'm, I'm probably going to drop a YouTube video on my own, probably analyze it. But and, uh, I was debating going to Vegas, but I right now don't have that kind of money to afford plane tickets. It's Hotel crazy right now, man. Gonna have to, you have to consider gambling costs because people gamble when they go to Vegas. Mm. Drinking costs is drinking expensive unless you enjoy it and tickets and all that other stuff you add up first why not just pay for the paper which for non-disdome subscribers $85 the hell are they doing I saw that dude yeah man the ticket prices are ridiculous the pay-per-view price is ridiculous I mean that sucks come on I I was on board with this whole no pay-per-view I was like oh let's go I like it Right. And then I was even fine with the big old fight being pay-per-view. Same with this one. But, like, don't overprice it like this. And some of us, it's expensive out of you, man. Yeah, it's Thank crazy. you for the call. Sorry if I went too long. Nah, you're good, brother. Good stuff, man. Enjoy it. It's fun watching fights at the theater, man. That's always fun. If you've got a fight that's out at the theater, it's always fun time. Because everybody's there watching the fight uh, for the same reason you are. You know, everyone's there just for the fight. If you go to a bar, <clears throat> some people are there for the fight. Some people are there watching a college football game or something. Some people are there just getting drunk. You don't know. But when you're going to a theater, everyone's there to watch the fight. So it's usually a pretty fun crowd. All right. Looks like we got Thad on the line. What's up, Thad? How you doing? How you betting this one, man? Well, this isn't a classic fight you bet. Uh, a lot of these mainstream fights aren't aren't that type of fight. So I'd be very careful where you put your money. I learned my lesson uh, a few years ago with the first Golovkin fight. I uh, I thought it was a steal with Golovkin as a minus 250 favorite. Um, as we all know, he got the draw, and I lost out of a big windfall, even though I got a push. it was I got my money back, but it was like um, 
you know, it's like uh, blackjack. You, you hit a 21 and then the dealer somehow pulls a 21. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's, it's not a good fight to bet because there's so much politics, you know, involved. And you're better off waiting for opportunities where it's a lesser fight, you know, where you have a better, where politics really don't get involved. Or you could side with politics. Here, the lines are kind of blurred. We, we know that Golovkin is the establishment fighter. That'll never change. Um, but, but there's a lot of things that, that are different than the first two fights here. Um, and I want to ask you, what do you think Jonathan Banks brings to the table as far as what Golovkin is going to do in this fight? Do you think his strategy, it seems he wants Golovkin to use his skills more. That's what he says on paper. How do you interpret that? I think he wants him to fight in rhythm. Um, my thing is, I, I thought Golovkin showed so much skill in the first two fights. Um, but mm-hmm. maybe use his rhythm, jab in between Canelo's movements, uh, just try to get Canelo's timing a bit off and frustrate him. You know, Bivol was able to frustrate Canelo so much, and it was so he was so visibly frustrated in that fight in the second half. If Golovkin could do that just a little bit and give him the edge to like take him over the top in this fight. It would. Um, Bivol, again, he, he was so much bigger and uh, a lot younger. And um, he, was, he, was, uh, he wasn't compromised. He wasn't compromised by weight or any other uh, clause that Canelo usually had against uh, Callum Smith, Sergey Kovalev. Those were fights where, you know, those fighters were compromised. Mm-hmm. Like short, weight, short camps and weight. Um, Danny Jacobs, their fight with Canelo, which I thought Canelo was probably at his absolute peak versus Danny Jacobs and Jacobs, he couldn't rehydrate all the way. They had a clause in, but I think Jacobs said the hell with it anyway. So he came in, you know, pretty close to his peak. I, I think actually Jacobs was a little less than his peak. Cause I think the, uh, the wars with Golovkin and Dever and Shanko took its toll. So here's my take on everything with Golovkin. I think everyone that Canelo fought outside of Bivol, can, uh, Golovkin would knock out. I, I think he would have knocked out a weight train, Callum Smith, definitely would have knocked out Kovalev. Yep. Billy Joe Saunders knocked him out. Um, Caleb Plant, eh, he's a big guy. I think he would have gotten to Plant. So really, where, who's, like, has Canelo really improved? I, I don't think he's improved. I, I think Canelo peaked in, in, in the Golovkin 2 fight and, and the Jacobs fight. Golovkin is older. We all know that a lot of things happen when you're older. You know, less free testosterone, less elasticity, less collagen in your your cartilage, your, your collagen in your cartilage, which is why body older men don't take body shots well. Okay, you have less less collagen in in your connective tissues. Your recovery time is is less. And then I think that's where it leads me to pick this fight. I think Golovkin is going to be winning. I think Golovkin is going to have his moments, but late I see some Canelo body shots that are going to bother uh, Golovkin. Perhaps even Andre Ward Kovalev two fight where Canelo strays low. And who is the referee for this fight? I can't remember. I know the know judges have been announced, but okay. I'm not sure. Yeah. It, yeah, they're the same judges. We all know what's going to happen there. Yeah. But I, I, I think that this is going to be a controversial stoppage 
I think that uh, the referee is going to jump in, and once Golovkin is showing any any signs of uh, fatigue, and, and with the body shots, I think Canelo is going to go low, and I think he's going to get the benefit of the doubt by the officials. And I think Golovkin, again, he, he's going to be winning the fight, and I, I see a controversial stoppage. Interesting. I don't know why I think I just have a hard time seeing this fight go the distance this time. And in all trilogies, I think the Mike McCallum and James Tony trilogy is probably the most relevant here because McCallum was 35 when he fought Tony, who was like 24 coming into his prime. There were both guys kind of like two ships passing each other in the ocean. And, and McCallum was right at the end of his peak. And that fight was a draw. And a year later they fought, it was a close fight, but Tony edged it, younger guy. And eight years later, I think, or six years later, they fought the trilogy, which was meaningless at the time, but uh, McCallum lost the decision. But he didn't get knocked out. And McCallum is, it was a class fighter, an all-time great, same as Golovkin. I don't see Golovkin getting stopped by his own device. I think there's going to be some controversy thrown in here to get Canelo this win. Boxing needs him as a cash cow, the same old, same old. And, and Golovkin go, rides off in the sunset with a, Vada, a Vladimir Klitschko type of ending hmm. where he, um, he lost the fight, but he won the war against uh, Anthony Joshua, if that makes any sense. Okay. So that's why I'm not going to bet this fight. There's just too much that can go wrong in, in a fight in Vegas of this magnitude. Well, so speaking of that. That's my take on it. I, real right. quick before I let you go, I wanted to get your thoughts on something. Jim Carras, who, uh, who's a gambling guy that I follow on Twitter, mm-hmm. he tweeted this earlier today. He said, the live traders at the sports books thought Golovkin won both Canelo fights. In the first fight, Golovkin got to minus 2,000 in the 10th round before closing at minus 400. The second fight, Triple G, was mm-hmm. minus 900 entering the 12th, closed at minus 350. What does that mean? I mean basically, the people betting live okay. – thought he was winning right right and then that's and that's something i i value in is is in-round betting live betting and i tried to give you an update on that when uh you fought um aj the second time i was giving you the updates on how the casinos were giving live round uh odds okay i think there's a lot of value there now in the Usyk fight against aj Usyk was uh at, at his biggest favorite at the end of the sixth round i believe he was minus 600 and then by the by the 12th round, he was only about a um, minus 150. So it was a close fight going in, into the uh, the scorecards. So they knew that the fight was going to be very close. How they know this, I have no idea. They probably are clued in, you know, wink, wink. But but in round judging, it it, it does take into effect uh, people that are watching the fight, like from you know the the brains behind the sports books. They're they're giving their take on, on who's winning the fight. And then the action coming in, meaning the people are betting live. They, they factor all that in together, and that's how they get those lines. Okay? okay. Um, there, there could be like some wink-wink action going on where they are in league with, with how the scorecards are. So all, the, all that has to be taken into account. But I think that goes to show you that, yeah, that Golovkin was winning those first two fights, which I thought the first fight, absolutely. Second fight, yeah, I think he edged it or at least it was a draw. So Golovkin's the better fighter, okay? Even at age 40, I think they're very similar, okay? Um, but again, Canelo's he's younger. He's 10 years younger. That, that just, and plus he's, he's the money guy. 
they're going to want to make it. They're going to want to get him this win. Okay. It, it behooves them not to. Yeah. So that, that unfortunately that's why I'm not going to bet the fight. Cause I know I'm going to end up being upset at the end. Okay. Seeing the love can get ripped off again. I think it's going to be like an Andre Ward type win where, where he strays low and the referee just concedes and, uh, and they count Golovkin. I, I think they, they stop it prematurely and, and they get Canelo win that way. That's how I would bet any proposition in this. I would say a late, a late stoppage, you know, so either way, actually, because Golovkin could not conceivably knock Canelo out because Canelo, he's been dented. And I mean that with, with the Bivol fight, he's taken some punishment. He's fought more. And I think sometimes fighting more isn't always the best. Right. So he's got a lot of he's got a lot of wear on him. So I'm, I'll leave you with that, Mike. And uh, it'd be great to hear you know the rest of the callers. Hopefully, you have a show Friday. All right. Thanks a lot, Dad. All right. Thank you. Yeah. As far as Friday goes, um, I don't know if I'll have a show or not. If I do, it'll be from my hotel in Detroit, and um, I won't be able to take calls, but I'll be live, and you know I'll just be talking into my phone. So. Um, I think I did that when I was in Chicago recently, right? So I might do that uh, depending on what's going on when I'm up in Detroit. Uh, okay, let's keep it going, guys. How are we doing on time? All right, we got about half an hour left. So let's see how many calls we can get through. 203. I think this is Anthony Santiago. You're on the show. What's up, brother? Yeah, what's up, Mike? Chilling, man. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, so I got a. Uh... Uh, I'm hyped. I'll be in Vegas as well. I got my flight in my hotel. I just need to get my ticket. Uh, Jim Boone is hooking me up. He told me to give him a call this Thursday. I mean, I'm looking at the prices now, and they're starting to come down a bit for certain sections, like section section 16, 15 was around 2500 two days ago, and now it's 2000 so you can see, like, the prices are starting to come down. So hoping to get a pretty sweet deal this Thursday for that. Yeah, Jim knows um, what he's doing, bro. So just trust him. Trust him because he knows what he's <laughs> oh, doing. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's easy because uh, if he really wanted to, he could tell me it. Could have told me a ticket when I asked him, like, two months ago and just got me. It made more price. money. Yeah, okay, so I'm I tell you, Jim's a good guy, that. man. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to. They're like, dude, I got like half off. He could have sold me this ticket for like 2000 more a month ago and made more money. And I'm like, yeah, he ain't doing it just for the money. You know, he he, he loves boxing. And he loves hooking people up because he wants you. He wants your repeat business, bro. So, yeah, he'll take care of you. Yeah, that's awesome. But uh, as far as uh, the fight goes, uh, actually, I'll just real quick on the the all-female fight, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to offend anyone, but I didn't realize that the queen was that important there, that they didn't cancel sports. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, hey, really. I guess, I guess it is a big deal. Everything shuts That's down, bro. my ignorant American mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, when that card does happen, I guess, was it the 10th? I'll, what's crazy is I'm probably going to watch that and I know, like, they're at different times, but I don't know if I could watch. I don't know. You probably have to pay me a lot of money to watch Campbell's painting again. So yeah. I'm probably just going to watch the female fight, and that's it. I hear you. <laughs> that day. Um, all right. For the Triple G Canelo fight, so I think Dad made a great point in that 
he he mentioned Canelo hasn't gotten better. And I've been I remember when the Bevo fight happened, I called him, I said the same thing. Like he hasn't improved at all since the second G fight. And I think, you know, he has he's in the sixties, I think, when it comes to professional fights. So you can tell like he's starting to wear down a bit. He's uh playing golf all the time. He's had a knee brace a couple of times during fights. So I just I think the only thing that matters for this fight is how much has Triple G aged since the second fight. Yeah. And I didn't see it that like the Murata, I saw more ring rust than him actually fading or becoming an older fighter. Yeah, so I'm with you because I think it's gonna be another great fight. If he, if, oh, he's, if he was old, he would have faded in that fight. He got stronger as the fight went on. So I, I agree with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I will say, if there's one thing I took away from that fight with Murata, is what, in the first two fights, Triple G was more of a one-two puncher. He didn't really throw that many combos. But I've noticed with Jonathan Banks that he's trying to implement more of like three to four punch combinations right. with Triple G's attack. And I think that's one wrinkle that I think will be pretty good to bring in for this fight. I mean, when Beeble was Beeble was throwing three to four punch combos after stopping Canelo's attack. So I think if Triple G can implement some more combinations, it'll be huge for this fight. Agreed. Agreed, brother. I don't know what you think there. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. Now it's making me think back to uh, I think the last call at that he he asked about Jonathan Banks what he meant by Triple G using his skills. I think that's what he's alluding to is throw combinations and don't just get into a brawl where you're taking big punches and showing you got a good chin. Uh, don't just stay in the pocket and, and brawl with this dude. Box a little bit, but throw those combinations like you said, threes and fours uh, to break up Canelo, uh, Canelo's rhythm. If he does that, he, he can he can really have success. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I'll leave it there. I think Triple G's going to win. I mean, obviously, who knows, like, with the judges. And they have the same damn judges, which really pisses me off. Yep. But, yeah, I'll be there in Vegas. So if anyone else is going, probably not because it's so damn overpriced. But, <laughs> Jack's uh, going, so hit Triple up Jack. Triple G's going to win. <clears throat> Yeah, I'll hit up Jack. I don't know. I might be doing some some plus twenty one thing. So ah. I don't know. <laughs> I'll hit him up. <laughs> Have fun, brother. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh I think Triple G is gonna win a split decision this time and he'll finally he'll finally get some justice after the first two fights. All right, yeah, on the record. Enjoy it, man. But, uh, Let I'll us know how go it goes. There, yep, take it easy. All right, man. I got a couple of super chats from Sam here. Thanks again, Sam. He says, uh, Triple G's main advantage was blocking the body shots after the sixth round. I think you're talking about the rematch. And uh, he adds, uh, Triple G, unlike Kovalev, will fight dirty in return. That's a great point, too. Triple G is not afraid to mix it up and get a little nasty if he has to. So if Canelo, to Thad's point, if Canelo does go low, Golovkin will go low right back. He absolutely will. That is an outstanding point, Sam. Gail says, uh, I'll be in Vegas. Look for the redhead. Yeah, guys, if you see Gail there, make sure you say hi because uh, she knows her boxing 
and you'll be able to talk trash with her. She can keep up with the guys with the best of them. Uh, Michael Mendiola makes a great point here. He says, let's not forget Triple G had to adjust to the time difference in Japan. That is true. He won't have that issue here. <clears throat> All right, back to the phones. We're going to go to New York City. Go to uh, 929. What's up? You're on the show. Oh, hey, Mike. Uh, am I on? Yeah, you're on, brother. What's up? Oh, yeah, man. What's up, man? Um. Yeah, so yeah, I just wanted to, first of all, point out to all the naysayers that have been talking about this fight uh, as if it has no buts. Um, this this past Friday, um, news broke about the all-female card that I was anticipating. There was a lot of buzz in that. That's all everybody was talking about, and I, and I thought that was great success, but it's very unfortunate that we had to, you know, reschedule that like 35 days, which is excessive. Mm -hmm. But going back to this fight, um, this fight has been on the back burner for the zones since 2019. And unfortunately for, you know, they have to deal with Canelo's, you know, uh, willingness to, to go up to, to other platforms to go to other weight classes and have to put this uh, fight in the kibosh for the moment. Right. But you, you, you touched on something that uh, I felt like was really lacking in boxing. And that is the rivalries. Like uh, for instance, yeah, we could have had a, 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 another fight between Manny and Pacquiao, but this like it was just too much. Uh, I, I just think two sides wanting too much for that to happen. Right. Um, we had a, a nine-year gap between uh, uh, between Robin Gonzalez and Juan Francisco Estrada. Hopefully, we get a third fight this this, this year before the, the the year rounds up. Um, we didn't get to have a, a, a borough match between. Um, uh, this guy, um, well, what's the guy? I, I'm blacking out. I, I almost have it. Um, Leo Santa Cruz and and Carl Frampton. Uh, we didn't yeah. get the brother match after a fucking. That's 100 percent on Santa fight. Cruz. It's, that's 100 percent on Santa Cruz and Al Heyman. 100 percent on them. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And it, it's just what this is. It's just the politics stretches out these the scheduling of the fights and. Until people lose interest in it and people have other conflict of interest. And so I, I'm just glad that they're able to get this fight made better late than ever. But I asked ask these people, the naysayers, it's like your favorite fighter, right? Who, what, 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 what fight are, are, are they, do they have coming up that, that, that's giving them, you know, the, the chills? They, they can't think of anything because up around uh, 160 and 168, you got a lot of people that are sitting on their hands waiting for Canelo to give them that, that payday instead of just fighting each other to build up the marquee value. I had a Canelo, I had to have a Canelo fight. So um, I, I hate to be the, the, that guy, but I, I'm actually excited for this one. Now the fight, fight week is coming around. Um, I have, to, uh, for those that are actually um, have an issue with the price tag or the pay-per-view. So there's this content provider um, for, for movie theaters called Fathom Events. Yeah. And they're selling tickets to the fight at basically an IMAX price of like $26 for adults. So that's a lot, like, that's like a what, a $60 value in terms of pay-per-view, what they normally pay for. That's less than a movie theater and then, then uh, going to a ticket to see them fight, which I saw the the first two fights on, on, in the movies. And I got to say, it's a, it's a great experience. Yeah, You know, for that kind of money, it's, it's value for dollars. So I recommend doing that. Absolutely, man. I just Googled the site and I pulled it up. So all you guys... Uh, watching right here, check it out. Just Google Fathom Events 
Canelo Triple G, and you could go in there and you could search by your your uh, zip code, and you could see what's around, mm-hmm. what theaters around are showing it. But I completely agree, dog. If you could pay twenty twenty five dollars or whatever it is and go watch in the theater with a bunch of other fight fans, and you could go in there and have a beer or whatever and chill and watch it at the theater on the big screen, that shit is fun, and it's better than buying the pay per view. Yeah, go do man. That. Go do Pick that. Your own food, great BYOB. You know yeah. what I mean, man? Absolutely, man. Yeah, but I just want to break down the fight real quick. I mean, listen, I, I'm I, I'm not in myself as a Triple G supporter, but realistically, I, I don't see how how he, how he wins this one. Any vision of, of him playing a Marquez against against Canelo against these corrupt judges, which has been the through line for for this rivalry, um, it, it just seems impossible to me. But you never know. But uh, I got Canelo stopping him late because I think. He 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 pretty much the, the book is pretty much out there to beat Triple G. You got to beat him through the body. I don't think he can break down his chin. He's he's uh he's iron he's iron jawed. So you know he's pretty much weak to the body. And it's like a guy that old is like it's very hard for him to really sustain that kind of attack. Okay, yeah, I hear you, man. Uh, that's how a lot of people see it. That's how a lot of people are seeing it. Yeah. I, I just hope that Canelo, that Golovkin makes it competitive, you know, really gives him a real tough fight, you know. But uh, I, I just want to see, you know, this thing, you know, wrap up, you know. And yeah. that's what we need in, you know, in boxing. Much needed is, is a rivalries, man. Absolutely, man. Completely. So that's agree. all I got, man. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Great call. All right, man. Peace, man. Peace. Yeah, guys, check out uh, Fathom Events. Um, I'll go ahead and give these guys a free promotion. Um, check them out and search by zip code and you can figure out where it's showing where this fight's showing in your area but yeah if you can um spend again 20 25 bucks whatever it is uh go check out the fight man sometimes that's just better um because man 85 dollars if you're a subscriber to the zone like then i guess it's what 60 okay maybe you want to do that be at home especially if you can have friends over and stuff but if, if you just got like a small crew, if it's just you and your wife or you and your girlfriend, you you and uh, your brother, your sister, whatever, something like that, or just you and a couple of friends, it might be better to go to the theater. I don't know, because then after that, you can go hit the club. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're already out, and you can make a night of it. Uh, so, by the way, my wife Tiffany in the chat, she says, uh, Baby Montero predicts Triple G is going to get robbed a third and final time. Damn. We'll see, baby. We shall see. It's going to be fun, though, because we're going to be watching that from Detroit with the Crunk Boxing Crew. That's going to be a lot of fun, man. Uh, and I saw one of you guys here in the chat. Was that was that you, OJ? Yeah, you are saying that it's 20 bucks at the Imagine Theater in Royal Oak. That's cool, man. See, there you go. Shit, maybe we should do that. I don't know. We're going to be in Westland, though. Uh, I don't know if I want to go to Royal Oak <clears throat> from Westland. But, uh, OJ, if, um, if you want to meet up, man, let me know. Comment on this video, something like that. Let's do a meetup Friday night somewhere downtown, maybe. Uh, okay, <clears throat> a couple more super chats. Losing my voice, Sam. Thank you so much again for the super chat. It says people listen to the TV scoring and bet that way. Yeah, and sometimes that's the worst way to do it. But you're right. People will listen like to the commentary. They'll look at like Larry Hazard's scorecard on a PBC event and stuff, and they'll bet that way. It's like, nah, dude, you gotta look at what you're seeing. Uh, Sam again, he says, uh, Jim, not for the money, yet still printing money. Of course, he's running a business, <laughs> but he's not in it for the money. Trust me, I know a lot of guys that Jim Boone has taken care of. Um, 
Michael Mendiola says uh, $24 at the AMC here in my city. That's that, to me, that's a great value. That's a great value here. Um, Kamikazai, I think is what you're trying to say. Kamikazai. Uh, hey, Mike, uh, I'm not sure if you posted your prediction. So um, I like Canelo decision. That's my prediction. I talked about it earlier, but Canelo decision. And um, I do think, you know, I hope we don't have fuckery. I just hope we get a great fight. We don't have any fuckery. But, you know, you never know. Golovkin can turn back the clock and give this all-time great classic performance. We'll see. Eric Gomez, $18 at my local theater. That's awesome. Nacho says 20 bucks at my theater. That's awesome. Israel says 21 bucks at my local Cinemark. So, look, if there's no buzz for this fight and no one's talking about it, why are these theaters showing it? Obviously, they know something other people don't. I'll tell you where the fight is lacking buzz. It's lacking buzz in the mainstream American media compared to the buzz that the first two fights got. The first two fights were on HBO. HBO is part of that machine. This fight is on DAZN, which is more of a global platform. And obviously it's an app. So it is an application-based platform with the way that they market, the way they advertise. So you're more likely to see ads on Twitter, on YouTube, on your Instagram, TikTok, all that shit, than you are to see CNN talking about it or something, right? They have no fucking idea it's even happening. So um, that's the difference. But globally, if I looked at Google Trends today, globally, this fight's trending. And internationally, it's going to do massive numbers. Maybe not as big as the other two, but actually, in the end, depending on the kind of fight we get, the residual playback and everything else, it might do more globally. It really might. All right, back to the phones. Who we got about 17 minutes, guys. So let's let's get to it, man. Seven, 719, you're on the show. What's going on? Hey, what's going on, Mike? Uh, my name is Miguel from Colorado Springs. Colorado Springs checking in. What's up, Miguel? Yep, yep. Hey, um, um, been a fan of the show. Uh, I used to read um, uh, Dougie's Monday Mailbag all the time, so that's kind of oh, awesome. how I heard about you. Okay. But, uh, right on. Um, so also, uh, I'm a big boxing fan. I'm, I grew up in the 80s. Uh, um, also, uh, I'm just calling, I guess, to kind of get my, my take on the Triple G and Canelo uh, fight. Okay. Um, I think that uh, mentally, uh, it's kind of hard to tell. I think that Canelo's kind of, um, he seems kind of salty about the whole deal. Um, maybe he's kind of, you know, um, coming out that loss. He's just, he's maybe not there mentally. Triple G seems really calm to me and, uh, I don't know. I think that plays a lot into the the fight. Um, there's a mental aspect of it. So, um, uh, as far as, uh, like everything else, I don't, um, the judges are on Canelo's side. So it's really hard to say that, um, Triple G can win by decision. But, uh, yeah, other than that, um, uh, yeah, I just, uh, are you buying the pay-per-view? Or are you going to a theater? Like, how are you watching it? Oh, shit. He dropped. Oh, man. Miguel, call back. 
Miguel dropped. Ah, man, phone connection issues. Don't you love technology? Mike Lawson in the chat says, 22 bucks at AMC in Danbury, Connecticut. Wow, Danbury checking in. Mike, do you know AJ Galante? You know the Galante family? AJ's my dude, man. I um, I meant to uh, try to stop there in Danbury when we were up in New England recently, but we just did not have the time. But I definitely want to get up there and uh, check out uh, AJ's gym and those guys. I know he's got some events coming up and stuff, but I don't know if you know the crew over there. But yeah, 22 bucks AMC. Go to the theater, man. Go to the theater. It'll be fun. All right, let's go over to the UK. Let's get a UK call in here. Uh, UK caller 741. You are on the show. What's up? Uh, hi there. Um, big fan of the show. Uh, I want to ask you, do you think um, Evil is technically um, better than um, Golovkin? And the reason why um, I ask that is because um, I just feel from my point of view, when I saw the Canelo Bebo fly back in May, um, Bebo, he's got, he's got better footwork than Golovkin, so he has better control of the distance. He's got faster hands. Um, and to like fall off on one of the, of the other callers, um, he throws his punches in bunches. So with Golovkin, how he throws sort of one, two, and then goes back to one. Um, so one or one and two, um, Bebo will throw like one, two, three, four. And sometimes he'll follow that with like five, six, seven. And because Canelo, with how defensively astute he is, you can't slip all of those punches. An example of this, is, I think in round five or six is when he, um, I think when people got Canelo to the ropes, um, he threw like a seven, eight punch combination. I can't remember the exact count. But in, the, in that combination, he threw four right hands. The first two right hands were blocked on Canelo's guard, on Canelo's glove. But the last two right hands actually got through and were scoring blows. Mm. Um, and you think um, uh, Golovkin, even at that age of 40, can um, you know employ that same combination uh, punches, you know, tactic? Yeah, he, as you mentioned, he's never been that kind of a puncher. He just doesn't throw in combination. Um, Bivol, there's a fluidity about him. And he's much lighter on his feet than Golovkin. He kind of jousts. He gets in and out very well. And he lets his hands go very rapidly. And it was those seven, eight punch combinations that really, really put some wear and tear on Canelo. And I think Bevel wasn't trying to knock him out with those punches. He was just trying to touch him. And as the bigger guy, that's all he kind of Yeah, I agree. That. Yeah. For Golovkin, I think yeah. sometimes he winds up. He wants to land a big power punch. And maybe that's, again, what Jonathan Banks is going to try to work on is just, you know, touching, letting your hands go, staying more on the back foot because Triple G likes to get on the front foot and dig in with some of those shots. Stay on the back foot where you can pivot out. You can have some options. Um, maybe that's what they're going to work on. But, you know, older fighters, man, generally speaking, volume goes down as you get older. You know, that's generally what happens. Yeah, but do you think Glockin can even – employ that sort of combination, you know, punching your sort of strategy at the age of 40, the way Beeble does so naturally, you know. I know obviously box is more complicated than just, you know, throwing one, you know, one, two, but he is sort of blocking. It's more of a one or a one, two type of puncher and that's it. And then he's reset. Yeah. Yeah. And if, I mean, just go back to um, the way he trained with Abel Sanchez, 
they used the circular pad a lot and it was just working on heavy shots, you know, boom, boom, just hard shots. And he got results with that. Um, but he's never been the kind of guy that would kind of lay back and just throw combos like that. Also, he's not the bigger man necessarily like Beevil is. So he's not going to get away with it the right, same exactly, way. Yeah. yeah. I think love can yeah, style so, is to stalk and, then, and not dart in and out like Beevil is. Fine, yeah. I, I, that leads me back to my final question, and, and that's it, and I'll, I'll get out of the way. But, um, the, you know, do you think Canelo will press the action a lot more in the third fight than he did in the rematch? And the reason why I ask that is because, um, you know, he, he, you know, the way, you know, he was fighting in the rematch, he was certainly pressing the action. I thought he was certainly up in the, in, in the first half of the, or the fight in the rematch. However, in the, in the second half, um, I mean, Golovkin added some serious bombs on, on Canelo's chin. I mean, I remember yes. like, you know, there was a big right hand in round 10, two big right hooks in 11, a big right uppercut, left hook in round 12. But yet Canelo was the one who still kept coming forward and pressing the action. And I think at one point that in round 12, he was like tapping his gloves together, like, come on, let you know, why are you backing off now? So do you think Canelo, knowing that he's now just going to go for it and, you know, because he, he thinks he can take Golovkin's best punch, best punches? Yeah, I mean, coming into that fight, Abel Sanchez talked a lot of trash to Canelo about Mexican style, quote unquote, and Canelo running and things like that. So I think Canelo really wanted to prove a point. Uh, I don't know if it's the same way in this fight, but I do know that Canelo doesn't like Golovkin and is kind of mad at some of the things Golovkin said. I think he's going to come forward. I really do, because I think he knows that if he backs up, that's going to help Golovkin. If Canelo backs up, that helps Triple G. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Yeah, great call, man. Thanks, Mike. All right. Thanks a lot, brother. All right. Uh, let's see. One more super chat. Yes. Anthony Santiago says, uh, great show as always. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you, Ant. Enjoy your trip to Vegas. Have some fun meeting up with everybody, having your above 21 activities. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoy the fight, man. And then, uh, Super chat from Joshua Cormier. Thank you so much, Joshua. He says, what do you think of Jonathan Banks' recent comments admitting that they can't trust the judges? I, I haven't heard those comments, but um, you know the thing with Jonathan, he is a super, super honest, humble guy. I really like Banks a lot. He's very laid back. I, I wish sometimes he'd have a little more fire, a little more Emmanuel Stewart fired in him. But um, – He's very honest. He doesn't just say shit for the cameras. I really think he he meant that if he said that. And um, it, it's probably going to play into their game plan at least a little bit. At least a little bit. I think that they got to start early. If you look at the Bivol fight, Bivol had a really good start to his fight with Canelo, and it set the tone. I think that Banks and Golovkin know they got to do that in this fight. They They can't ease into it. They got to come right out and make a statement. Make Canelo play catch up. That's what Bivol did. And I understand that guys like Plant and, and not, I don't even think Saunders, but Kovalev, they won rounds, especially Kovalev. Plant won one or two rounds of that fight. But you can win rounds against Canelo. But if you're not making him really think and play catch up, he's, he's fine. Bivol forced Canelo to fight a different way than he wanted to fight. 
he really had to catch up to Bivol. Bivol was a step ahead. Golovkin needs to do that. All right. Uh, we might be able to get to this one last call. This might be the last call. I think this is Corey Lee boxing. Uh, 804, you're on the show. What's up? <laughs> Hey, what's going on, man? I didn't know if I was gonna get in or not. <laughs> you barely got in, man. I said, yeah, I'm sorry, man. We got I saw you in the chat before. You're like 804, 804, the caller. What's up, man? How you doing? Uh, hey man, how's everybody doing? First time calling in. Um, I'm always going to work right at this time, so I'm on the way to work if it's a little static or whatever. You guys apologize. Okay. But man, where do I start, man? This is a trilogy, man. Um, wow, man. Um, we haven't seen too many trilogies, you know, in the past, um, too many good trilogies, should I say, like you said earlier about the, uh, you know, Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury trilogy, that third fight was pretty much, a, you know, a uh, one-way street, you know what I mean? And, uh, that one-way street was pointing straight to Tyson Fury. Right. And so, you know, I just hope that this fight is a little bit more competitive. Um, you know, the better in me wants to see that, you know, that odds are probably going to be good on Triple G stopping Canelo. But, uh, you know, a safe bet for this fight, I feel like, is, you know, obviously Canelo Alvarez, unanimous decision. I think he can stop Triple G within, you know, later in the fight. I think those body blows, um, I think he's seen something in the, in the, uh, the, the, the Royota Mirada fight. And, um, Man, I, I've seen a lot of flaws in Triple G in that fight, too, man. Um, But, I mean, he did come away that fight, you know, with the win, with the knockout victory. But uh, it was like in the third or fourth round, he got hit to the body. Yeah. And that really opened my eyes to him yep. being weak to the body. You know what I mean? I'm, my favorite fighter in the entire world is Ole Gunnar Hughes. And I'm the first to say he's weak to the body. You know what I'm saying? So, I feel like Gennady Golovkin with age, I mean, how much more do you think Gennady Golovkin can physically take you guys. He's 40 years old, okay? He's He's been punched in the face numerous times. I mean, he got punched in the face in the Gabriel Rosado fight probably more than Canelo got punched in the face in any of the Smith brothers' fights. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's just like, his, his, you know, how much can the body physically take? And that, and like you, I, I like when you said earlier that Mexican style, that Mexican style can fucking hurt you too. Oh, yeah. yeah, Abel Sanchez didn't talk about that. Look at the fighter that he had that has mental problems now. Mm. You know, that has, uh, you know, brain issues. What was, what was uh, Abel Sanchez's former fighter called? One of the world champions? Uh, there's been a couple of them. Which one? Are you, are you, are you going way back, ain't you? Are you going back to yeah. John yeah. McCullough? Exactly. No, after Darren McCullen, but Darren McCullen is a good. That's a good observation as, as well, man. Yeah. Like that's what can happen to you if you throw for the fences. You know what I mean? He got caught cleanly numerous times in that fight with Darren McCullen, and he never was the same after that. And another fight, I wasn't even talking about him, but I was talking about another guy that came out. I think came came uh, either right before or after him, right around the eighties and the nineties. Well, what was the champion's name? That, that Abel Sanchez was, you know most notable to train. Uh, I can't remember his name right off the top. Um, damn. But anyway, I've seen one of his interviews. I know, man. I know you probably know in the back of your head, but... You you talk, know, you're talking I, about Terry I, Norris. You're talking about Terry Norris. Terry Norris! Terry yeah. Norris, man. Yeah. Terry Norris. Terry Norris. Terry Norris took so much punishment in his fight, and to see him do an interview was a foul. 
it was appalling as a fight fan. It was appalling as you know me. You 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 know I I commend you too. You you, you fought a couple fights and stuff like that. I used to do amateur fights out here, um, in the DMV area, and you know it appalled me that you know this guy got punched so many times. And you gotta think as a trainer, how can your fighter conduct a life after boxing, or do they even think about life after boxing? I mean, I don't think some trainers take that into consideration, you know? Shout out to the headbanger's gentleman, you know, telling Lamont Peterson, look, it's time, man. I commend that type of shit, Yeah. you know? Yeah. And I just think that this, in this fight with Gennady Gillespie, is it going to be time? Is it going to be time that this is our last fight that we will ever see of Gennady Gillespie? It can be that very well, that, that type of fight. You know, I, I don't think anybody's touched on it yet, but this could be Gennady Gillespie's last fight that we could possibly ever see him fighting, you guys. Um, if the damage is that bad, mind you, he's already taken punishment, like you said, in Devin Chinko. You know, a lot of people thought he was going to win that fight pretty easily. It, it didn't happen like that. You know what I mean? Um, he took a lot of uh, punishment in that fight as well. And, um, you know, this is Canelo Alvarez, man. He's 32 years old. He could be in the peak performance of his career. And you got a phase veteran. Like Gennady Golovkin, I think, you know, and they're going up in a weight, too, so they're going to 168. This fight is not at 160, where Gennady Golovkin is champion at. So I just think that, you know, a lot of variables are, you know, you got to take into consideration um, into this fight. And, um, yeah, man, um, I just wanted to call in, man, and I'm heading to work now, man, but great show, man, and uh, I'll talk to you guys on the next one, man. Appreciate it, man. Great call. And you've definitely been back with another banger. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good night at work, brother. Good call, man. All right, there it goes. Corley Box. So we got another super chat from uh, Sam here. It says, uh, by the way, Jim Boone is my boy. He says, uh, people forget Bivol rope a dope for most of that fight with Canelo. Uh, Canelo couldn't hit him. Triple G can't do that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think that Bivol's length and his ability to cover up. Um, Doing that against uh, Canelo, I, I just I don't think Golovkin can do that the same way, at least not at this age. And it's just not his style. It's just definitely not his style. So yeah, Terry Norris was definitely the guy. Uh, Terry Norris um, <clears throat> punched like a damn mule, man. And uh, that's what Abel does. You know, he he'll have you punching through the target for sure. But at this stage, you know, with Golovkin, um, he's got to come forward against Canelo. But I agree with. Um, with banks that you've got to use skills and not necessarily get into a brawl just use your superior skills. Cause I do think Lovkin's the better boxer than Canelo. All right, guys, that's two hours, man. We're up against it. If I could do a show Friday, I will, but um, we'll see either way. If, hey, maybe I could do something Saturday night. We'll, we'll see. I don't know quite what the setup's going to be in Detroit yet, but great show tonight, guys. Thank you so much. Great calls. Have a great week. Enjoy the big fight. And then we'll chop it all up next week. Hopefully, we won't be bitching about the judges or the ref. We'll just be talking about the fighters. All right, guys. I'll see you at the fights.